Hello and welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. This podcast exists to promote the vibrant, biblical, and historically informed face of Reformed theology, both in our context and beyond. Welcome back to Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And we want to start by saying we apologize for last week and for our uh, week off from the podcast. We were not attempting to do that or trying to do that. We were hoping to record on Friday. It just did not pan out with our schedules. And so we are here today. And, you know, it's a really interesting time, once again, in the life of our country, uh, given that it's early November in an election year. And so uh, we we didn't quite plan this out to happen quite the way that it has, but we're going to be talking, as you can see from the title of the episode, on this broad subject of Christian nationalism. This is an interesting matter because it's something that gets thrown around um, in news news reports or in blogs or in YouTube videos or just on social media, people talking about Christian nationalism. And usually this is meant as a term of derision, uh, sort of derogatory term against a particular set of of individuals or a collection of individuals who uh, seem to exhibit particular political uh, outlooks, um, particularly on the conservative side. It was interesting in, in preparation for this, I was going around online just typing in Christian nationalism and seeing what was popping up. So I did it on YouTube, and all of the Christian nationalism for pages and pages of YouTube uh, is all Christian nationalism that's very clearly on the right side. Um, For people, when we think of, in our sort of common consciousness as a nation, when we think of Christian nationalism, we cannot help but think of Christian nationalism as being the monopoly of the Christian right, Mm -hmm. uh, of politically conservative types of people. I I think that that's an interesting matter we'll touch on here in a bit. Um, But we should start by saying... It's a complicated matter, isn't yeah. it, Mark? Yeah. It's it's difficult to wrap our heads around in some ways. Well, this whole thing about how Christians approach politics really is complicated because um, on, on one hand, you have the call, obviously, of Scripture to, to bless the city in which you live, um, to put down roots where you live, and also to love our neighbors. And so it's a good thing even to be passionate about political things. Um, Sometimes any passion for politics or for America or any patriotism is labeled immediately as Christian nationalism. Uh, When when a Christian, uh, for example, if I were to preach about any sort of political matters from the pulpit, Hmm. uh, people would be very sensitive to that. And if it is of a, uh, say, a politically conservative matter that I'm touching on, thinking of something like abortion, uh, which yeah. we have a denominational position that is against abortion. Um, and if, if that were to come from the pulpit, it would be pretty quickly labeled a nationalistic thing to do, even though I think that it's a perfectly biblical thing to talk about in, in yeah. church from during a sermon, or it's perfectly wise, I would say, for us to address politics on this podcast. It doesn't de facto turn us into nationalists, <laughs> but uh, it calls us to 
uh, to engage with society. And so that, that's one error that, that you could probably have is just being too quick to label any Christian engagement with politics into nationalism. The other um, problem would be that there is Christian nationalism in the United States. Yeah. And so we're going to think a little bit about where it really does exist. Um, I know that, uh, that sometimes people are so quick to defend patriotism that they may uh, dismiss idolatry. Uh, a lot of times, and that happens, of yeah. course, in our context, and I'm sure it's happening in every church. It's happening in the political left and in the political right. Um, there is a form of of nationalism, of of patriotism that is sinful, and so we want to get to some of that too, and help people determine if they're in danger of this sin of being hmm. nationalistic and and prideful and idolatrous, or if perhaps they just really do care about the world around them and they want it to be better. Yeah, that's an important point to make, that not all patriotism is, is nationalism. Those two are often thought of today as being one and the same thing. Particularly among the right. Yes. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting to me that patriotism amongst younger generations is not as much of a virtue as it used to be. Yeah. Uh, I just look at my own generation. Nobody really, unless you are somebody who is politically right, and even then, a lot of people who are politically right aren't really sh aren't waving the American flag. Um, it's not something that they're proud about. The, the American flag seems to be a brand mm. used to to clothe yourself if you're somebody who's. <laughs> Uh, a you might say a warm-blooded American. You listen to country music, and you you work in a blue-collar industry. Particularly, you might mm -hmm. see somebody with a flag sticker on their truck or something like that. Mm -hmm. But most other people, even conservative people, in the in the millennial and Gen Z generations, aren't very patriotic. And that's because I think patriotism has been seen to be as tending towards nationalism. Hmm. Uh, we think of ourselves so much more nowadays as citizens of the globe, right? Mm -hmm. We're global citizens, not just citizens of, of America or any particular country. But I, I do think it's good to have a love for country, uh, and we should recover this love for our own nation. Um, I, I think we should also respect other people's love for their <laughs> nations. Sure. Um, if we're giving ourselves the freedom to love our nation for what it stands for and represents or the ideals of our nation, uh, we should obviously let other people love their nations as well. We should yeah. not think of our nation as being better necessarily than any other nation. We may say in some ways it, it may be, and in other ways we have things we can learn. But it's not a bad thing, for example, to love your family and to be proud of your family um, imperfect as you may be. And so in similar ways, it's not wrong to love your country. Mm -hmm. um, but how we do this is difficult. And even defining this idea of Christian nationalism yeah. is particularly slippy, slippery. Yeah. Uh, there's not a whole lot of of definition that is given to this term. It's There's actually been a lot of books that have come out in the last few years, ever since the first uh, Trump presidency. Um, we'll see if there's another one yeah. in the future. <laughs> um, that remains to be seen. But in the wake of it, there's been a lot of books that have come out 
mostly against Christian nationalism, um, but I'm not sure what the definition often is from people. I think we often use this word in a very loose way, and you'll see it on social media, people slandering others as Christian nationalists. And as soon as we say that against somebody, we've made the argument, we've put mm-hmm. them in their box, we, we've, we, we don't have to engage them anymore. It's a conversation it's stopper. A, yeah, exactly. You're wrong. Um, You're a nationalist. And so I would say maybe a common definition that people are using in all of this is that a Christian nationalist, you might say, is any conservative, politically engaged person who happens to be white, evangelical, and you see America as needing to become more visibly Christian, and you will engage in any sort of radical or dissident behaviors in order to make it so. We might think of the different protests and rallies we've seen in recent years, what happened at the Capitol on January 6th mm-hmm. um, in 2020, for example. Uh, we might think of even the the anti-quarantine let us worship gatherings of Sean Foyt uh, from the, I think he's from the Jesus people Mm. or yeah, the Jesus culture um, sort of circles of Bethel church. I believe there's ties there. Um, And so these are examples of people who are trying to do radical or dissident things in order to keep our country uh, Christian and uh, keep, keep a tight grip on, America, being America, keeping America great, and so on. Yeah, another example would be First Baptist Dallas, where, oh, yeah. um, so yeah. this this pastor, Robert Jeffress, yeah. um, you know, is just has no shame in bringing political uh, characters to yeah. the pulpit, so that they're preaching on Sunday, they're preaching essentially that you need to vote Republican, and um, having, you know, Donald Trump uh, show up and things of that nature, telling people from the pulpit to vote for Trump, yeah. um, that he's the supported candidate of the church. Um, obviously, uh, those are extreme examples, although even with uh, extreme does not always mean fringe. And so I, I think like... That's um, very true. <laughs> uh, th- and this is where the conversation to me is really interesting, is that there, there, yeah. there are some fringe groups, obviously, that are very small in number yeah. And who are very nationalistic, um, thinking of people who were participating in the January 6th riot, holding up signs, Jesus wants this, essentially. Yeah. Um, um, you can't steal our country from us, you know, yeah. and sort of blending that in with visions of the cross. Um, and so that that's, um, <laughs> I guess it's a question of how fringe that is. But then there's also kind of the mainstream Christian nationalism, and that's why I would bring up somebody like Robert Jeffress, who... Yeah is a pastor of a mega church, a Baptist church yeah. in Texas. He's, he's um, on nationally syndicated radio. Yeah, and when when, they're, uh, when somebody on CNN has a question of how evangelicals might respond to yeah. uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned, for example, they call Robert Jeffress to be like the voice of evangelicalism in yeah. and kind of the representative in a lot of ways of evangelicalism, even though there is this quite overt nationalistic nature to the church uh, if you if you think we're exaggerating just watch youtube fourth of july service at first baptist dallas and you will see um over the top flags everywhere um patriotic songs from start to finish uh it, it's very clearly an idolatry of nation that is mm. happening in this church uh, a worship of america replacing even the yeah. cross and uh replacing the centrality of christ and our brotherhood and sisterhood with mm-hmm. christians throughout the world um mm-hmm. and so there there's that kind of mainstream form of nationalism that 
Um, I think maybe people are just kind of comfortable with sometimes, maybe a little bit more than they should be. It's a little bit more subtle um, because it seems churchier mm. than the January 6th riot yeah. people. Yeah. That doesn't seem very churchy to your your average elderly Christian woman. Um, that seems very violent because it is. And so... Right, I, that's I think, easy to dismiss. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I, I think it's it's helpful to try to get to a more academic definition than mm-hmm. to, I think that's actually a really good example, First, First Baptist Dallas, of, of true um, Christian nationalism. And so in a recent episode, um, I've, w- I've mentioned before on this podcast that I'm a fan of the Mere Fidelity podcast. Shout out to them. Um, I'm sure <laughs> they'll never hear of us. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if you, if you haven't ever checked them out, I recommend them. Uh, their podcast is really thoughtful and fruitful. Uh, they had on a couple months ago an, a professor from Georgetown University, a Christian, a Baptist, who has written a book called The Religion of American Greatness, What's Wrong with Christian Nationalism. His name is Paul D. Miller. Um, and so this he writes as a conservative critiquing Christian nationalism. Um, and so he, he defines Christian nationalism like this. He says on that podcast, uh, you know you're a Christian nationalist if you think three things. First, America is a Christian nation and we need to stay a Christian nation and we need to get the government involved to keep it that way. And then just a few moments later, he goes on to say, sort of as a side comment, Christian nationalism is a yearning for Christendom. So basically the way that that different governments and churches had been set up, particularly in Western Europe, um, all throughout the Middle Ages, leading into the early modern era, uh, with national churches and so on. So Christian nationalism is a yearning, essentially, to go back to that setup, um, is what he's saying. But those three parts, I think, are crucial to his definition. And so I think what we want to do here is kind of think about this definition. I think it's, yeah. a, it's a helpful definition, but is it as, as clear as it should be, Mark? What are your thoughts? Yeah, we talked about this. This threefold th- definition. Before we... Uh, uh, started recording, and first of all, thanks for the research and in, in finding that. I think it, it's good to start with a definition and then kind of try to figure out right. if that's, that's what we want to do. If that's what we're seeing. If that's good. If it's biblical. If it's uh, historic, uh, historically accurate. I, I think um, you know you talk about a Christian nation, and that means a lot of different things actually to to different people you uh <laughs> that's the funny thing about a definition actually is a definition <laughs> yeah. contains terms that are going to mean different things yep. to different people and so uh you know the the first contention a christian nationalist believes america is a christian nation and we need to stay a christian nation and we need to get the government involved to keep it a christian nation now um what what does that mean to be a christian nation um Obviously, we would agree that Christianity is not the official religion of the United States of America. And so um, it is the official religion of some other countries, um, which even they could say politically can refer to themselves as Christian nations, even though uh, did Jesus die for a nation? Um, Did Jesus, does Jesus make a nation born again? Um, Does a nation have a soul? (laughs) You know, I, I would say no to all of those uh, those those and those questions. P- Jesus died for people from every tribe and nation and tongue, yeah. um, and and yet did not 
did not seek to set up a, a kingdom in this world that would be um, Christian in the way that it would be exclusive of any other person of any other religion. Hmm. And so um, is America a Christian nation? Uh, I would say no, because of my theology, of my reformed understanding of what Christianity is, yeah. um, that it's it's a religion for um, individuals called out of sort of our, our citizenship in some ways in the world into uh, a higher, greater citizenship in the kingdom of God. Um, now, some people would hear me say that, people who attend our church who are <laughs> of uh, a generally more conservative political persuasion would be very concerned that I would say that because they would respond right away with, but we have so many influences of Christianity through American history that that makes us a Christian nation. I, I actually would agree that Christianity has had a massive impact and influence in the founding of America yeah. because of the First Great Awakening and in the principles that form the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence and uh, the, our form of government, um, and that's all good. And I would say I'm not dismissing that. I'm not even dismissing the goodness of that. Um, but at the same time, to to state the um, to state it so bluntly that America is is a Christian nation um, means more than just that Christianity has had a positive influence in America throughout its history. It, it means more than that, and it's more it's further than I would want to go. Yeah, I would I would agree with you. I think um, it's. It's clearly influenced by it. It's our our political system is clearly influenced by Christendom. Even um, if we tr if we trace out the legacy of our Constitution, a lot of it has to do with English common law mm -hmm. and coming from the English, which is the English nation, which is a Christian nation in the political sense. Um, now, of course, there's <laughs> Greek influences. If we trace out democracy it goes not just to christians but it goes to greek philosophers as well there's that influence there but christian it was america it was never in any official sense a christian nation in fact it was explicitly not yeah. a, a christian nation it did not have an established church there was from the very beginning the disestablishment of the church and the state uh, which differentiated it from all other western nations uh, at the time of its inception uh, and that was by design. And were there clearly influential Christians at the beginning of our nation? Oh, for sure, there were. Uh, but there was also a lot of people who were not Christians who were very influential in the design mm -hmm. of of our Constitution and our system. And so... Yeah, I, and I, I, a thought comes to mind, and I, I think this is important be, as we talk about the Founding Fathers, for example. Right. And if we so desperately want Ben Franklin and Thomas Jefferson to be Christians, and it's, it's almost like doing history backwards, yeah. right? So in order to defend this idea of, that America should, should be motivated by Christian principles, that the scriptures and the, 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 um, the reality of God's existence need to determine our ethics, I would say those are good those are good things, actually. The, the existence of God um, yeah. secures our rights, for example, according to the Declaration of Independence. Um, and so we, we would want to defend um, a Christian apologetic, uh, uh, the value of Christian theology and philosophy, but 
in order to do that, we don't have to retroactively label people in the past Christian who actually were not, because it's just going to confuse people when they um, when they open up <laughs> the autobiography of Benjamin Franklin or when they learn about the Jefferson Bible, and and they they think, oh, that's part of Christianity. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's what it's going to do is end up just watering down what it means to be a Christian. Actually, if we if we sort point. of want to want to retroactively label all those people uh, Christian founding fathers, because to be quite honest, if you do your research on who signed the Declaration of Independence, very very few of those men were regular church attenders at yeah. a Bible believing, faithful Orthodox church. Um, now that's very surprising. Now. Um, to, to some people, and, and I don't mean it to say script, the scriptures and Christian philosophy didn't influence the founding of America, but I think it's important because that desire for nas- a Christian national identity will often lead to bad history being done, and it just dilutes the meaning of Christianity. Yeah, I think that's a good point. It's, it's interesting that people will make Benjamin Franklin out to be, for example— a great saint, almost. Yeah. And they'll make much of the fact that he would go to Woodfield's oh. uh, sermons and he would say, oh, how great of a speaker he was and how moving he was. But yeah, we have to be honest that a lot of these men were, they were not just seekers. They were not people who were close to the kingdom. Uh, they were people who were actively abandoning it. Uh, and But we have to be honest about that. But we can also say, I think that there's something true, of course, that America is highly influenced by the ideals and the beliefs, the the faith of Christianity. I don't think that that's really something that can be uh, debated all that much. And it's a good thing. Um, Yeah. It's a very imperfect nation, but we, it it has a, a lot of history with Christianity, and part of the reason for the disestablishment, of course, of Christianity, Christianity, and never having an official state church, uh, was because Christi- America wanted to open up its doors to different types of denominations. Uh, that wouldn't have been quite the word that they would have used mm-hmm. back in the 18th century, but uh, they, there was. Presbyterians, and there were Anglicans, and there were Catholics, and there yeah, were Anabaptists. Quakers. Uh, and so they had a similar, they all had a similar shared uh, belief system rooted in Christianity. Um, and we can say that now looking back at, at it, because it, all those I, all those different groups don't seem all that different to us today. But back then, things would have seemed quite a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the second part of this definition, he says, is the, the, the belief that we need to stay a Christian nation. And thirdly, connected to that, is that we need to get the government involved to keep it that way. My problem with this definition, I think it's pretty true. I think it, it's, it's helping us move in the right direction. But I think all of these things together, uh, I, I don't know if you, if you, if somebody believes all of these, if they're necessarily a Christian nationalist. Somebody mm-hmm. may think America started out as a generally Christian nation, and it would be, it would be good for America to remain generally Christian in its outlook. And we should use, we should try to get the government involved to pass laws that help Christianity flourish in America. I'm not sure if somebody takes a very soft view of these three things, that that makes them a Christian nationalist. Now, maybe Paul Miller would think that. 
we could maybe he could debate me. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I agree. Yeah, I, I know what you're meaning. That that for somebody to have that idea yeah. about American history, that it's been so positively and and pervasively even. Uh, influenced by Christianity isn't necessarily to make one a Christian nationalist. Yeah. 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 And to think that maybe there was wisdom in the Christendom of ages past that we could glean from today. I'm not sure that makes somebody a Christian nationalist. If it does, then I'm not sure every Christian nationalist is is the worst thing ever that we need to go out and, and hunt down like 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 heresy hunters. Um, so in thinking of all of this, I, I came up with what is my definition of Christian nationalism. You can take it or leave it. I'm just proposing this, but this is after some serious thinking. Uh, Christian nationalism, I would say, is the syncretizing of national patriotism with the Christian faith, such that the latter, that is nationalism, or that the Christian faith, sorry, becomes subservient to the demands and ideals of the former, that is, your patriotism. Yeah. So basically, you twist Christianity into using it as something to prop up your political ideals. Um, and so you want Christi America to be a Christian country uh, only because you want to see certain things, certain political ends achieved. And so you use your Christianity in service to your po politics, not mm -hmm. your politics in service to your Christianity. And this, I think, is a good example or a good definition that fits with yeah. the Dallas, First Baptist Dallas. That is a prime example of my definition here. Uh, if it has, They have twisted the Christian faith so as to be all about America's greatness. And that's the worship service. Mark's right. You can go and find these videos and see what it looks like. It looks like not so much a celebration of the gospel, but it looks like they're using the gospel as a celebration of American greatness. And that is really destructive. Yeah. And uh, I, I've seen this a lot. I, I like your definition a lot. I, um, and you see it in how people quote Second Chronicles 7.14. So um, <laughs> that, that sounds really precise, but it's a passage that any listener of a podcast would, would have heard before. Um, so Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. So that is um, God's promise to Solomon as the temple is being dedicated. And um, what, what often happens with the use of this passage, this is sort of a case in point of, of Zach's definition, is that people will think about a goal, and their goal will be, America must be a great nation. Hmm. Um, I must be a winner. I must be in a yeah. winning political party. I want my party to win the election because I know that I'm right about politics. And so how am I going to get to that goal? Okay, well, Second Chronicles 7.14 says that <laughs> I, I need to uh, humble myself and pray and seek the face of God so that he will heal our land. And so a part of that healing of the land is my party's political victory. And, and by yeah. the way, this is both political parties. We really want to continually be clear about that, that, <laughs> yeah. that this is um, it's an issue uh, very clearly for Republicans but also for Democrats, um, that people will say, um, what we really want is America to look a certain way. And so in order to get America to look a certain way or to be great in a certain kind of way, um, we got to yeah. do what it takes. we got to jump through some spiritual hoops here. I guess we have to go to church and we need to pray um, 
Second Chronicles seven fourteen, so that God will make us a great nation. Yeah. Um, now that sounds like I'm being a little bit exaggeratory about things, but I, I honestly think that is how it is very frequently used. That people say, "Here's the mantra that we need to say <laughs> to make to make America great again, or yeah. to make America uh, care about." Um, so the social safety net or, or, or something that, you know, uh, free health care for all or, yeah. or uh, you know, like, so I, I do think that your definition fits really well with that abuse that I've seen of scripture in um, using prayer, using humility, using repentance really as a means to getting our political goals um, achieved by God. Yeah, it's sort of a superstition of yeah. sorts. If yeah. I do the right thing, my political goals will be achieved. I can use God to my purposes. Um, and it's interesting in all of this how both sides, not just the right side, are very quick to quote scripture, especially Old Testament passages, and bring them right into the 21st century yeah, oh, for sure. and try to enact all the ideas. Um, you hear that Amos with that social justice right, people right. all the time, you know, yeah. like a six, eight, same thing. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it's just, it's just fascinating to watch that happen uh, because there's a sense that all of us have even many progressive people that the scriptures are important. Um, and so we can use them to prop up our, again, our political ideals, our goals. Um, and so, yeah, there's an interesting video that I saw about a year ago. Um, I think it was in the wake of George Floyd. Uh, so maybe it was from two years ago, but I saw it about a year ago. And it was uh, a pastor of a black church um, who quite clearly was teaching something of the liberation theology uh, and was quoting from the Old Testament about justice rolling down from Isaiah uh, and was applying it directly to America and talking about how this will make America great and strong if there's justice and reconciliation. And I, I don't necessarily disagree yeah. with that. Yeah. It was just interesting for me to observe that mm -hmm. Christian, this is, this is a sort of form of Christian nationalism, and yet this is a very more <laughs> left-leaning form of it, and it's not just something that is on the right, although when we use the words Christian nationalism, like I said earlier at the beginning of the episode, if you were to search that on Google, you will find only examples from the right. Um, it's kind of used as a slanderous term, a derogatory term mm -hmm. to to mark people on the right. Well, and Second Chronicles 17 is about repentance and, and humbling ourselves, but it's often used as those people need to repent yeah, so that yeah. we can be a great Christian nation. Yep. It's not, it, it's not really, um, mm -hmm. truly the meaning of the passage because what it's saying is, um, all you person who is listening to Reform Podmatics must repent of your sin, seek God's face, turn from your wicked ways. God will forgive your sin, and um, what it means that He will heal our land is. <laughs> kind of mysterious sometimes. Well, especially um, in our own context, because this is a very Israel. different context <laughs> that we're reading from. Yeah, but yet there's the promise that God blesses in yeah. um, in particular, and even, I'm going to sound like a health and wealth prosperity preacher, but I do believe that God blesses 
people who seek him in worldly ways. That's, um, the, that's the general teaching of Proverbs, which and, I think is still applicable. Right, and, and Christ, seek first his kingdom, seek it first with your, your whole heart, and yeah. all of these things will be added to you. And Jesus is referring yeah. to clothing and um, physical care and nourishment. And, and so uh, that isn't to say that you do those things in order to get physical blessings from God, yeah. but, but the Lord delights in um, providing bread for his children and instead of a snake, you know, and, and yeah. so forth, going down the list of the things that Jesus says. So um, the, the error, I think, that you do see so much with Christian nationalism is tying the Christian identity to a party um, yeah. or to the past and um, and basically whitewashing that that party oh, or yeah. Christian history so that I don't have to repent. It's just those other people that have to repent. And they're bringing our country down. Yeah, they're getting in the way of... Of, yeah. of progress, or they're going to be on the wrong side of history, or something like that. Yeah. Um, and this this takes some pretty vitriolic forms, actually, uh, on both sides. Where oh yeah, uh, it, things can get pretty pretty bad. And so uh, maybe we want to give a vision for healthy Christian political engagement instead of just um, pointing out the errors of Christian nationalism, which is a, a big problem. We do want to help people um, maybe discern. If that is an issue for you, if you're listening, and provide a better way. So, what comes to mind for what healthy Christian political engagement would be like, Zach? One first thought for me, uh, just off the top of my head, is that we must recognize our citizenship first is in heaven, not into any nation of this earth. And so that immediately breaks us of uh, sort of making our own nation and our identity as a person in a particular nation ultimate. Uh, that reminds us that our uh, our connection to our, our nation is temporary, our nation we can love. Um, I, I often will think of passages such as Revelation 5, where we're told that there are going to be people in heaven of mm -hmm. every nation, tribe, and tongue. And I think of the idea that we're, we're going to be there almost as representatives of our nations. We're going to be looking mm -hmm. and saying, hey, look, I'm Jesus saved me from the United States of America. And somebody will say, Jesus saved me from Ghana. Jesus saved me from China. Jesus saved me, and I'm from such and such a place. A country that doesn't even exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I can, we can say, wow, isn't it great that Jesus saved us? And we were all from these different countries, and his salvation is so great that it, it spreads beyond all of this. But in the, at the same time, I will be proud that I was from a particular country. That was, a, that was where I lived and, and moved and had my being, so yep. to speak, during my lifetime. And that just adds to the glory of Christ that he saved people from all these different countries. Hmm. Um, it shows so, the beauty of the gospel and right. the power of the gospel. And so I'm not going to downplay and say, oh, I have nothing to do with the United States. I'm going to have the proper perspective, I think. And I think we all we all will eventually in heaven yeah. uh, of saying, yeah, I was from this country. And look what that, look what, what look how glorious Christ's salvation is for all of us from countries that don't even exist anymore or don't even exist now, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's it's going to abound in Christ's glory. And so yeah. have the proper hold on your country. Um, and so don't let the fortunes or the misfortunes of your country uh, 
destroy you. Um, it's easy to, to do that on a day like today, the day after an election, where you may feel very excited and elated, uh, as if everything is right in the world and in the universe, or you may feel like it's quite the opposite. Mm. And if you feel like that, you have to question, am I putting too much of my own personal investment in my country? Mm-hmm. Um, this isn't to say we should not care about the up and down of our country's lives, uh, but we should have the right hold on it, I think. Yeah, that's really great. I I think of how... Some people could perceive that as a advice as check out from political engagement. But I think what you're saying is to when you do not idolize politics or America, you are freed to better political engagement. Um, when yeah. I don't idolize my family, I am freed to be a better father. Yeah. Um, when I point. don't idolize our church, I'm freed to be a better pastor to this church. Yeah. Um, because I can speak the truth. Yeah, I, I can speak the truth to my family about a sin that's in our family. Uh, I can speak the truth in our church when I see a sin that is threatening our unity um, or, or, or pulling us away from the way of Christ. When, and yeah. when I, I don't idolize my nation, I'm free also and equipped to speak the truth about yeah, um, totally. the terrible history of slavery in America yep. and racism and, and so forth, because I don't idolize this thing, and so I don't have to ignore certain yeah. things that have happened that still have consequences today. Um, as a Christian, that's my first identity. And so um, I'm equipped in a way to be a better citizen, not yeah. to check out, but to be a better citizen, to, be, to engage better with those things. Yeah, exactly. So, it it yeah. gives it, I think, perspective. Um, and we don't have to whitewash, as you said, our, our country's history. Uh, we can be honest with it. I, I guess another thing I would say is be politically engaged. Yeah. Uh, don't check out. Um, uh, that's I think I think that's part of the Christian's calling and duty is to is to be an active citizen who considers it part of what they do to to vote or do things that are engaging in the process. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, making sure that we're doing it in a way that's not idolatry where we're making it our our fundamental hope in life and in death yeah and uh, maybe maybe some more uh in, encouragement for healthy political engagement is um, just to look at your social media feed and if you find that you are very political that is how you're representing your values and what your hope is in to the world and so um some people need to repent of political idolatry, and it's very clear by reading their their Facebook posts or, or what they really care about. Um, that's our opportunity to be teachers, to be uh, witnesses of Christ. And so, if our political or, or if our Facebook feed or even you know Instagram accounts, so the tw- the Twitter feed that we follow, they're all political in nature, and our YouTube algorithm is just always showing us political things. That's revealing to us that we have. Uh, very likely an idolatry problem. Yes. Um, there was a time not all that long ago, um, I can even, I think the world was more this way when I was a kid, was that po- politics were something that people would engage with occasionally, yeah. and when there was an election, that would happen. Now it's become a way of life. There's 24-hour cable news. <laughs> all, it's all and the there's time. social media. <laughs> and and it yeah. is, um, because of cell phones, uh, it, it's yeah. always in front of us. And, um, and so... 
we need to recognize the temptation towards political idolatry and how that idolatry can come in the form of a Christian nationalism. Yeah. Um, and so uh, just oh, just yeah. look through uh, your, your Facebook feed or, or look through the algorithm, and it will reveal to you if... Uh, you know, if that's full of sermons and Christian worship music and, and all of those things, well, then that's 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 what you care about in a way. It's revealing. Uh, that's the fruit in a in, yeah. in a way of your life and in, in in the public sense at least. Um, and so, be aware of that. Uh, also, I, I would want to encourage people to have a deep concern for the worldwide church <laughs> and for people of other nations also who are not Christians. I think that American um, nationalism, Christian nationalism, has such a narrow view of who is in the church and what the church is um, that <laughs> yes. it is distracting us from a great blessing of praying for people in other nations and receiving um, wisdom from missionaries who who uh, have learned about the church in South Korea or the Philippines or Latin America or Africa. Um, I was really blessed during my time at Kelvin Seminary because a couple of my best friends were from Nigeria and they would look at American Christianity with a different lens and they could speak into some of the excesses of American evangelical Christianity with yeah. with a real clarity that sometimes I would lack because I'm so in the middle of it and so I valued what these guys would have to say and and honestly I could do the same for them that uh, that there would be times when I would say this doesn't really seem to be in keeping with the ministry of Christ, and so yeah. could you explain that to me, how, how that goes in, in your church or in your culture? And we could refine one another as iron sharpens iron. So um, to have a, a greater concern for the worldwide church, and um, listeners could ask themselves this question, would I be more discouraged and saddened to hear of a, a, a church of people in China who were arrested or would I be more discouraged by losing an election? Um, I think that that will show where your values ultimately lie. I, I think that both of those things are sort of a hit to our uh, emotions. But I would say the Christians should yeah. have a, a honestly a greater concern for the persecuted church than for whether or not my party won the election yesterday. Um, both of them, uh, winning an election is a good thing. Losing an election yeah. hurts emotionally. We can be honest about that. But um, I would always want people to expand, expand your horizons, uh, travel the world, see <laughs> the world, go to socialist countries, go to um, places where, where there is, is less infrastructure. And, and in those places, you'll find Christians who are faithful. And so you need not be so afraid of... Yeah diversity or you know um other things happening in the world as sort of an attack on american ways of doing things yeah the the idea there is what is your fundamental identity yeah uh, is your fundamental identity in christ or is it in america or whatever nation you find yourself in uh, that is the question we we should be asking there is definitely a lot more yeah. that could be said on all of this and how Christians are to politically engage with our society um, and how the church and the state should be worked out. Those are uh, tensions that have been uh, really core to Reformed theology uh, ever since the 16th century and the yeah. Reformation. Um, I, I do think 
I'll point out as my final words, uh, there's a interesting series of episodes coming out from the White Horse Inn podcast. Uh, they only have one out, to my knowledge, at this point, and that's with Dr. Peter Lightheart. But uh, Dr. Michael Horton, who hosts the podcast, is going to be interviewing a few more theologians and political, politically minded theologians, I guess is really what, what to say. Um, and so... And I think they're all coming from a reformed standpoint, but it will show over the course of the next few weeks as you tune in, and I plan to do it, uh, the, the different ways that reformed theologians work out how Christians are to engage. And so mm. if you're curious about this this question and this discussion that we've had today, uh, I would encourage you to check those out. I haven't listened to them because they're not out yet, but I think it will be thought-provoking uh, undoubtedly. Yeah, no, that's a great uh, suggestion. I'll be checking that out for sure. This is a big topic right now. I've, I've heard pastors recently say this is the greatest threat to Christianity in America, um, which is a strong statement, and I actually disagree <laughs> with that. Um, I think unbelief <laughs> is is probably the greatest threat, is just that people hmm. reject Christ um, himself. Yeah. And they do that in various forms, of course. But if I were to summarize where I would, I would want people to pull away from this conversation, it would be that uh, Christian nationalism is a real temptation for many evangelical people. Yeah. And, and, it, and political idolatry is a real temptation, and it is a huge sin in the American church, in Republicans and among Democrats, political idolatry is, uh, you know, trusting in chariots, uh, trusting in um, totally. princes and, and rulers of this world over um, an, an abiding and deep faith in Christ, uh, is a real issue in the United States. And so we can recognize that. Yeah. I wouldn't want people to listen to this episode and think we kind of uh, stepped around the topic too much. It, this is a problem for a lot of uh, Christians and a lot of churches. Especially um, amongst evangelical yeah. conservative people. And that's probably the majority of our listenership. And yeah. so yeah. this is something we need to say to you. This is not something to coddle you or to pat our listeners on the back, but this is something we all need to seriously consider. Yeah, ourselves included. And, and at the same time, just to throw out the, the buzzword slam dunk term of Christian nationalism, whenever we see patriotism, that's more likely to happen on the left, I would say. And so Correct. If, if somebody is, um, you know, uh, somebody like authors right now making a big name for themselves on labeling everything Christian nationalism that is politically right and has a tinge of Christianity to it, um, that's not helpful for the discourse. Uh, that's yeah. actually not helpful for people in discerning if this is a sin they're committing or if they just truly love their nation and are following Christ in, yeah. in, um, in the work that they're doing in the political sphere or wherever they are. So... Uh, we want to walk that fine line, I guess, by um, not falling into a nationalistic mindset, but also embracing loyalty to nation and yeah. uh, patriotism as as a virtue, even a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, you guys, thank you for listening. It's been fun, and we know that this will probably be one of those conversations yeah. that may stir up some more thoughts. We might so get some emails on this one. <laughs> we would love to hear from you. Um, otherwise, we will look forward to being with you again next week. All right, see you.